That's the number of those in our military, those service members that have given their lives for our freedom. It's the number of those that die to purchase and preserve the freedom and the liberty that you and I enjoy today. One million, one hundred and ninety-six thousand seven hundred and ninety-three. And I want to give you another number. I want to put in your mind the number one. The number one. Say, wait, what does the number one represent? Well, the number one represents the one man that gave his life for our spiritual freedom. And I want us to think today about spiritual freedom, what it means to be redeemed, what it means to be saved. And the title of my sermon this morning is, This is How It Feels to be Free. This is how it feels to be free. We're going to be in Psalm 107, so turn there with me, Psalm 107. We are going to begin reading in verse 1. Psalm 107, verse 1. If you're locating your place there, just a quick heads up. Starting next week, we are going to begin a summer sermon series through the book of Revelation. There are seven blessings scattered throughout that book, the last book in our Bibles. And we're going to look at those seven blessings during the summer. So be here. Uh, during that time, bring somebody with you. Tell them that, that Pastor Way is going to explain everything in Revelation. Don't tell them that. I'm just kidding. But we are going to look at the seven blessings in that book. And I think it will be a blessing to you. And so just want to remind you that end of the summer, we're going to begin a line-by-line uh, study through the book of Habakkuk. Uh, so we'll have to turn to the table of contents first to find Habakkuk. But then we'll get to Habakkuk and work our way through that through August and September, something like that. And then after we finish Habakkuk, we're going to begin a study through the book of Acts. So that's just kind of where we're headed on Sunday mornings. But I want to ask you this morning, if you're physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible, inerrant word, truth with no mixture of error. Psalm 107, verse 1, the Bible says, Oh, give Thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. And we are so grateful for the privilege of corporate worship that we can get together to encourage one another, to spur one another on to love and good works, and to bow together before your word, expecting you to speak into our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would meet with us in these moments. 
I pray that by your Spirit you would open the eyes of our hearts and help us to see the truths of Scripture. And help us to see them in such a way that we will obey them and apply them to our lives. Lord, I pray that you would capture our hearts with truth today. That you would fan into flame our affections for you. We love you today. We praise you. And we offer you this prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. Psalms 105, 106, and 107 form a trilogy. And it's interesting to look at these three psalms together because they go together. Psalm 105 relays Israel's experience from the time of God's covenant with Abraham until their entrance into the promised land. Psalm 106 describes their unfaithfulness during this time, and it describes the the, uh, interaction that God had with Israel leading up to the Babylonian captivity. You know that the Jewish people rebelled against God, and they crossed the line in the heart of God. So he sent the Babylonians to come against the, the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom, and overthrow them and take survivors into Babylon, take them into exile, take them into captivity. That's described in Psalm 106. Psalm 107 is the third part of that trilogy. And Psalm 107 thanks God for his deliverance from that exile. God in his grace decided to bring the Jews back from captivity to their homeland. And it's described here in Psalm 107, and the psalmist is giving thanks to God for his deliverance from that exile. So this psalm is a psalm about freedom. It's a psalm about deliverance. It's a psalm about redemption. And and that ought to mean something to us, because one of the metaphors that God uses for our salvation is that of redemption. Redemption means that someone is set free through the payment of a price. And Jesus Christ came to this earth, took on humanity, and lived a perfect life and went to the cross to die for our sins. He paid it all with his own blood. He paid the price we could not pay so that you and I could be set free from our sin. That's redemption. So as we look at these pictures of redemption in Psalm 107, we're going to make application to our spiritual redemption. As we look at these pictures of freedom, we're going to make application to our spiritual freedom. Now there are four pictures found throughout Psalm 107 of redemption, and they are striking, and they are instructive. So I want to walk you through those four pictures of redemption, and we're going to be reminded that this is how it feels to be free. So what does it feel like to be saved? What does it feel like to be redeemed? What does it feel like to be rescued? Well, these four word pictures are going to show us what it feels like, and remind us what it feels like. So I want to just walk you through those four pictures and make some words of application at the end of this sermon. So you ready for picture number one? <laughs> okay, that's not real encouraging. Picture number one of redemption. Spiritual freedom is like returning home from exile. Spiritual freedom is like returning home from exile. Now, all four of these pictures we're going to study probably deal with God bringing back his people from the Babylonian captivity to their homeland. Different circumstances in all of these four pictures, but they all deal with this return from exile. This is, of course, true in 
verse 2, when the Bible says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. So we see this picture that God is is gathering his people. In his judgment, he had scattered them. But in his grace, he is gathering them back together. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And here's the the application. This is a picture of spiritual redemption, because look what he says in verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So he's saying that God bringing back his people is a picture of, of God taking care of our soul. God God giving us spiritual freedom. But the first picture is that of returning home from exile. Now, the Bible pictures lostness uh, as exile. Or, or, or exile is a picture of lostness. One of the ways that, that, it, that people are described as, as people that do not know the Lord is that they are people who are Far from God. And that picture of exile, people being lost and far from God, is found throughout the scriptures. One place that you'll remember is Luke chapter 15. Do you remember the story that we commonly refer to as the prodigal son? We see this son go to his father and say, I want my inheritance now. And his father gives him his inheritance, which was greatly disrespectful to his father. And this son goes into a distant land and he, he wastes all his money on wild living. He's just doing his thing, living his life, and, and all his money is spent in those sinful pursuits. And when he loses everything, we see there's this picture of him eating pig slop. He didn't have enough food to eat, and so he's eating pig slop to subsist. And the Bible says at that moment, he came to his senses. He's eating pig slop, he's saying, Why am I so far away from my father? Why am I so far away from home? Surely things would be better with him than they would be here. And that that son in the far country is a picture of loss. It's a picture of being far from God. Listen to me. To be unsaved is to be lost. To be unsaved is to be far from God. And to be unsaved is... To be hopeless. But, just like these people, these these Jews were in exile and God brought them home. There's hope for those that are far from God. Through Jesus Christ, God will bring you home. You see, when we are saved, we experience the welcome of the Father and all of heaven rejoices. You remember, the son came to his senses and he begins to journey back to his home. And his entire trip back, he's rehearsing his repentance speech. He says, maybe if I say the right things, my father will go easy on me. There's a song that I love by Andrew Peterson, and he says, as this son is returning home, he's, he's too ashamed to lift his head. But then in the song it says, but if he could lift his head, he would see the father running from a distance. And that's a picture of what it means to be saved. You return from a 
far country where you've lost everything. And when you return to the Father, when you come to the Father, listen, He comes running to you to embrace you, to celebrate your arrival as His child. And so when we are saved, we experience the welcome of the Father and all of heaven rejoices. It's like coming home. There's nothing like coming home, is there? I've had occasion to travel all around uh, the world and, and be gone for extended periods of time. And, and there's a, a point on trips, you know, mission trips, and, and you've done your work and you're starting to kind of head back towards uh, America and you just get this ache and this longing and you just, you just want to be home. And there's nothing like pulling up to home. There, there's just nothing like it. And, and this picture in Psalm 107 is of people who were far far away from their homeland. But God in His grace brought them home. That's what it feels like to be free. It's like coming home. That's metaphor number one. Metaphor number two is this. Spiritual freedom is like release from prison. Release from prison. Look what it says in verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. The second metaphor we see related to our spiritual freedom is that of someone that's in prison who has been set free. They say, wait, what does that that mean for me? How does being in prison relate to me? Well, listen to me carefully. People without Jesus are in bondage. Did you know that? People without Jesus are in bondage to sin and in bondage to Satan and in bondage to self. Sin has a hold on your life if you don't know Christ. And Satan wants to destroy you, and your old sin nature, yourself, is always running away from God. That's a pretty desperate picture, is it not? And that's what it's like to be far from God. That's what it means when you don't have Jesus Christ in your life. But listen, Jesus sets us free from all of that bondage. As a matter of fact, turn to John chapter 8 with me, New Testament. John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews, the religious leaders, and some who had believed in him, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So these Jews are saying, we don't know what you mean about being in bondage. We've never been in bondage before. And and there are some of you in this room this morning that you think, I'm not in bondage. I'm free as a bird. I do what I want to do. I call my own shots. I'm not in bondage to anyone or anything. I'm I'm free. I I do what I want to do. I'm the master of my fate, the captain of my soul. I'm not in bondage. Well, look what Jesus says in verse 34. 
Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says that if, if you are in your sin, living in unforgiveness, far from God, apart from Christ, you are a slave to your sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The only way to be set free from your prison of sin and Satan and self is to know Jesus Christ who shed his blood so that you could be set free. Jesus sets us free from all of our bondage. So what what does it feel like to be saved? feels like you've been set free from prison. There's a third metaphor here. The third metaphor is relief from self-inflicted trouble. Turn back with me to Psalm 107. Relief from self-inflicted trouble. Look what the Bible says in verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Notice that some were fools through their sinful ways. Because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. You know, some of our pain in life comes from living in a fallen world. Some of our pain occurs because people around us mistreat us or do the wrong thing. But much of our pain comes from our own foolish decisions. Did you know that? Sometimes we experience pain and misery because of our own ungodly decisions. You're looking at someone that has experienced the pain of my own making. Anyone else in this room experience the pain of your own making? Raise your hand if you're a sinner too. Am I the only one in here? All of us. Years ago, an English newspaper sent out an inquiry to famous authors they were going to include in an editorial. And they asked famous authors all across the land this one question. What's wrong with the world today? And the well-known author G.K. Chesterton responded simply, Dear Sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. I'm the problem with the world today. I've blown it. That's what G.K. Chesterton is saying. And if you look there in your notes, no one is innocent. We've all caused pain for ourselves. We've all caused things that are hard because of our own foolish, ungodly decisions. So here's the question. Is there any hope for those that are experiencing self-inflicted trouble? Well, this psalm says there is. Look what it says in verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. And so the psalmist says these people who were in trouble that was self-inflicted stopped and cried out to God and God came to their rescue. Isn't that good news? You see, God is a God of mercy. And the good news is that Jesus is full of grace. And he's full of mercy. You know the word mercy means? 
word mercy means that God doesn't give you what you deserve. He withholds what you deserve so that he can give you what you don't deserve, and that is grace. Psalm 103, let me read it for you very quickly. Verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Mercy. Yes, we make foolish decisions. Yes, we make ungodly decisions. But if we will cry out to God, he is waiting to show us mercy and deliver us from our troubles. So, what does it feel like to be free, Wade? It feels like relief from self-inflicted trouble. But there's one final metaphor I want you to see. How does it feel to be free? It's like returning home from exile. It's like release from prison. It's like relief from self-inflicted trouble. And fourth, it's like rescue from the stormy sea. Rescue from the stormy sea. Look what it says back in Psalm 107, verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which... Lifted up the waves of the sea. So we see here this picture of, of, of people caught in a storm on, on a ship. And they're, they're caught in this tumultuous storm. This passage pictures terror and helplessness. Look what it says in verse 26. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They were terrified. Look at the next verse. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. That phrase, they were at their wits end, is literally their wisdom was swallowed up. These were seafaring men and they didn't know what to do. They were powerless in the storm. So this picture, this metaphor, reminds us of the terror and helplessness of storms. But here's the good news. God is bigger than your storms. God is bigger than your storms. Whether it's a storm that's, that's, that's raging around you because of your own rebellion, or, or, or if you're involved in, in storms that are caused by other people mistreating you, God is bigger than your storms. Look what it says in verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. He brought them to their desired haven. God is bigger than the storms of your life, and he can speak peace to your storm. As a matter of fact, when you read that verse, he made the storm be still. Did it remind you of another story in God's Word? When I studied this, it reminded me of Jesus. When he came to this earth, And he was on a boat with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And a storm came up. The wind was blowing and the waves were overcoming the boat. Do you remember what Jesus was doing? Jesus was sleeping. Why? Because God's not worried by storms. God is bigger than any storm. But they go to Jesus and say, wake up. Don't you care that we are perishing? And Jesus stands up on the boat and speaks to the wind, and speaks to the waves, and says, Peace, be still. And immediately, 
the wind stops. Immediately, the the waters become calm and serene. Nature obeys the voice of the Creator. Jesus spoke peace to the storm. The same way God spoke peace to this storm in Psalm 107, which is a picture of God speaking peace to our storms. I don't know what you're going through this morning. Undoubtedly, a number of people in this room, there's some... There's some situations happening, some things you're dealing with. I want you to remember that God is bigger than your storm. And He can speak peace to your storm. And He can rescue you from the storm. And that's what it feels like to be saved. It feels like you've been rescued, delivered from the storm. Years ago, my mother and father in North Florida were out on the Gulf of Mexico and they were scalloping. Uh, certain times during the summer, the tide brings in scallops right off the coastline. You can go out in boats and you can snorkel and just pick the scallops up off the bottom and you put them in big buckets and you go in and you clean them and you eat them that night. Nothing like it. And they were out with some folks from their church scalloping and uh, one of these, you know, kind of freak thunderstorms came up quickly before anyone knew it and they found themselves in the midst of a storm and the wind was blowing and it was raining hard and there was thunder and lightning and they lost all their visibility they couldn't see the land anymore and so dad used a compass on his boat to, to, to go the right direction and and he had his bilge pump on uh, so that water would not fill the boat another boat from from a church member was beside them they had buckets trying to get the water off the boat it was very very scary and 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 they came on that day very near to death. But by God's grace, they made it back to the shore. My dad's compass is what uh, helped them get back to the shoreline. And I, I wasn't down there at that time. I was in town. But I remember Claire and I went down to the beach later that evening. And we, we came down and, and we saw them. And, and, and mom and dad were white. I mean, it was a scary experience. And they were grateful they had made it through the storm. And that's just kind of a a reminder of what it feels like to be saved. God in His grace has rescued you from the storm. Wait, what does it feel like to be free? It feels like you've been rescued. That's what it means to be saved. So those are four pictures of spiritual freedom. That we see here in Psalm 107. But before we finish this morning, I want to give you four quick words of application. Wait, how does this relate to my life? How should I respond to these four pictures of redemption? These four pictures of deliverance? These four pictures of freedom? Let me give you four quick ways. Number one, if you are in bondage, cry out to God. Did you notice the repetition here in Psalm 107? Look what it says in verse 6. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Look in verse 13. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. Look in verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Look in verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. Do you see the repetition there? With each picture of trouble, with each picture of predicament... These folks stop and cry out to God, and God comes to their rescue. God comes to their aid. And so if you are here this morning, and you are far from God, 
And you are in bondage to your sin. And you are in the midst of a storm that you can't get out of. Can I encourage you to follow the very simple admonition of Scripture? And cry out to God. Nothing, nothing deep about that. But very profound. There is mercy and there is grace waiting for those that see their need and cry out to God. That's how a person is saved. Romans 10.13 says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You you, you repent of your sins, you place your faith in Christ, and, and you call out to God because you believe He's your only hope. So if you find yourself far from God, if you find yourself in spiritual bondage and you want spiritual freedom, cry out to God. And he will come to your rescue. By the way, he's the only one that can come to your rescue. Stop trying to figure out life on your own. Stop trusting in everyone else around you or depending on everyone else around you. Cry out to God. He is your only hope. That's number one. Number two, word of application. Let the redeemed say so. Look what it says in Psalm 107 verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The idea here is that those who have experienced freedom, those that have experienced rescue, will make a big deal about it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So wait, how do I proclaim my redemption? Well, you do it in corporate worship. We get together. And you know what we're doing when we get together? We are saying that we're redeemed. We are crying out. That we have been rescued by our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what corporate worship is. It's a bunch of redeemed folks getting together, celebrating it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell others how Christ has set you free. Tell others how Christ can set them free. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, my faith is a private matter. Show me that in the Bible. I mean, that's nowhere to be found, unless you're reading First Opinions. The the witness of Scripture is that when folks get redeemed, when folks meet the Lord of the universe, they are excited about it. And they say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Here's a third word of application. Be grateful. Be grateful. There's some more repetition in this psalm I want to direct your attention to. Look what it says in verse 8. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Look in verse 15. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Look in verse 21. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And then in verse 31. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Do you get the point? Folks that are free, folks that have been delivered, folks that have been redeemed, folks that have been rescued ought to be grateful for the rescuer. So be grateful. See, a person that that has experienced spiritual freedom should not need turkey and dressing 
and cranberry sauce and pumpkin pie to say thank you. Right? Listen, if you've been set free by Christ, gratitude is not focused on a day of the year. Gratitude is a way of life. And the psalmist says over and over again, four times, let them thank the Lord, the one who set them free. Let them be grateful. So let me encourage you, if you've been set free, be grateful. Tell the Lord, thank you for what he's done. And there's a final word of application I want to give you. Consider his love. Consider his love. Look what it says in verse 43. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. That word consider means to ponder, to think deeply about, to turn over in your mind. So he's saying let them consider what? The steadfast love of the Lord. Now that phrase, steadfast love, is the Hebrew word kesed. And kesed is such a a complex word in the Hebrew language that you need more than one word to describe it. Involved in the idea of kesed is, is mercy and grace and love and faithfulness and patience, steadfastness. All that's encapsulated in this word kesed. It's almost like our English translations can't, can't, can't wrap themselves around what this word means. So the ESV says, let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Consider his love. If you've been set free, if you know what it means to be saved, redeemed, I want to encourage you to make it a priority in your life to consider the love of God. Because here's what that does. It takes the reality and wonder and grace and blessings of salvation that are in your head and it moves them to your heart. It's one thing to know all of these things. It's one thing to believe the right doctrinal formulations. We have to believe the right thing to be saved. The Bible's clear on that. But the question is, do these doctrinal realities... These truths in the Word of God, have they captured your heart? Or has your heart grown cold or lukewarm? And you're no longer amazed by grace. You're no longer thrilled by mercy. You're no longer moved by the reality that God loves you. So what should I do? My heart has grown cold. Consider His love. Spend some time on your knees reading Psalm 107 or Psalm 103 or Romans chapter 5 or John chapter 3 or Isaiah 53 or Romans chapter 8 or just read the Bible on your knees and and remember as you read that you are loved greatly by God. Consider His love and as you consider His love your heart will be stirred anew and afresh. Some of you are here today and your heart needs to be stirred. Your heart needs to be stirred. You've forgotten how good it is to be free. You've forgotten what a blessing it is to be saved.
And so consider his love. And let him capture your heart with these truths. Anew and afresh. And so we're reminded today of freedom. 1,196,793 service members have given their lives for our nation's freedom. Praise the Lord for that. And there was one. The God-man, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life to purchase our spiritual freedom. Praise the Lord for Jesus.